This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, Pashas Truma, Erev, Rishchodesh, Adar. Everyone's excited. When you hear Adar, everyone gets excited. It's Purim and Pesach, and then spring and summer, and you're ready, you're ready up in the bungalow. Right? Baruch Hashem. Um, we're learning tonight, Lili Nishmat, Harav Rufal Yekusiel, Ben Yosef Baruch. Okay, um, and my uncle, Uncle Yaakov, Ben Yaakov, Yaakov, Ben Hachavr Shmuel Hakayin. All right, um, I'd like to thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I had a baby grandson this week on Monday. Hashem, a gift, a gift, a grandchild is a gift. A child's a gift. A grandchild's a gift. All right. So it says, what? No, here, here. Saying, Israel, speak to Klai Israel, truma, and take for me truma, li lishmi, do it lishma, give me truma lishma, right? Um, ish from every person, limo, that his heart wants to give, trumasi, take my truma. You ready? Listen to this. This is a rocker. Okay? Frank Takasha, they ask the question. You already said the Yichuli Truma. Right? We give you the Pasuk. So why does the Pasuk end with Tichulit Trumasi? You said take, right? Take my Truma. Then the Pasuk ends. Tichulit Trumasi, take my Truma. Why do you need it twice? In the same Pasuk. Right? Shtaka Kasha. For those who don't speak Yiddish, it means it's a hard question. It's actually three. It's right? tonight's share. What? Rashi says it's three. Gimel Shemus. Right, but that's I understand that. But why is why why is the puzzle repeating itself? In the, in the same puzzle, why is it saying it? Hold on a second. In the middle of the share. I'm sorry. Hello. I'm just starting my share. One o'clock. Uh, right. Okay, I'll go back. I'm sorry. It's a okay. I just want to show everyone that I still have a flip phone. That's really why I picked it up. <laughs> a guy came up to a guy came up to me at the wedding tonight. He says, I want to see your phone right now. I'm like, excuse me? I need to see your phone right now. I said, okay. This is my phone. He goes, I was talking to my friend, and he said, he still has a flip phone. And I said, no way. I can't believe he still has a flip phone. I'm like, so you don't have any other phone? You're not carrying any other phone? I'm like, no. If I would, if I would have another phone, I would show you the other phone. No. Anyway, are you ready for the answer to this, this, this kasha? Let's turn off this phone. We're not going to answer. I think it's the first time I ever answered the phone during share. Um, here we go. Guys, ready for this? Because it's the whole shit tonight. Daven Israel, talk to Israel, Vichli Truma, and take from me a Truma. What does that mean? Kesef, silver, and gold, and copper, and blue wool, and red wool, and purple wool. Those are all the Trumas I want you to take from me. But, the real Truma Hashem wants from all of us listening to the shit tonight, 
wherever you are. From everyone who's willing to give me his heart, that's the true I want. Not the cassette, not the silver, not the gold. The real truma that Hashem wants. You hear cats, Hakayan? You hear what's going on here? The real truma Hashem wants is not your silver, and not your gold, and not your copper. He wants you. He wants your heart. So the first Michalui Truma is the materialistic stuff he wants. The second Michalui Truma, Me'ez Kolesha Hashem Yidvet Alibo, Tiklus Trumasi, take from everyone in Klai Yisrael their heart. That's the Truma I want. And that's tonight's share. Okay? I'm not even going to use the Chumash, that's it. That's the whole share. You can all go home. Thank you for coming. Because that's the shir. But I want to tell you a story. The shir is based on a shir by Rav Shimshim Pinkus. On Pashas Vayishvach, actually. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I will get to that. I have to write notes. And Lame. Yitzchok. And Yaakov. Alright. It says the following story, Rav Shimshim says. It says it was a tailor... And he wasn't very good at sewing, but he was a tailor in an old, broken-down city. And he was a tailor. And most people didn't have money to fix their clothing. So he started having no business, and he started having no food in the house, and he couldn't pay his rent, and it wasn't working. So his wife said, why don't you go travel? It's not working in the city. People don't have money in the city, but in the big city, people have money. So why don't you do this? Do a home thing where you travel and you go to people's houses. They don't have to come to your store. Your store is dead. You're paying rent anyway. And you go house to house. You knock on the door. Tailoring. I would be amazing. You know what? Maybe we should do that. You can make Kesef Gadol in Flatbush. Traveling. Like, you used to have doctors that came, that made, uh, came to your house. They don't do that anymore, right? Now they have urgent centers. But imagine you have a tailor. You don't have to go to the lady and the cleaners. And stand in that little box and pull the curtain and everyone's looking at your feet. You know, instead of having to do that, you guy comes to your house, you put on your suit, and he fixes it there. Traveling, hello, since people are listening, this guy's running right now, they're going to do the business. 10% to Arnava, please. Okay, anyway. So he's, okay, he's going to be a traveling tailor. So he packs up his sewing machine and stuff, his... His threads, his needles. And a guy comes to the big town. And he's knocking on doors. And he comes to the parrots. The parrots is like the duke. The guy who owns all the land. And he knocks on the door. And uh, the parrots comes down. He says, what can I, what can I do? For, what, what do you need? He goes, I'm a tailor. He goes, I can't believe it. God is with me. God is with me. The parrots start saying, the duke, the guy who owns the, all the land. He says, I can't believe it, Hashem. And Hashem, but God, thank you so much. The tailor says, what's going on? He says, I just got a letter from the king from the, that in two days he's making a wedding party and he expects me to be there. And my kids and my wife and me, we don't have any you know, clothing because the rule in that country was you cannot wear to the king's party the same clothes you wore last time. So once you wear it once, you can't wear it again. And they, and they all, it was only two days. He said, could you sew me dresses and stuff? Two days. He's like, oh my God. 
So I can't. I, I'm not. I'm not that good a tailor. He says, "Okay, I'm mean, the pirates. I'm putting you in prison, and I'm telling you in prison what you have to do. I'm going to hang you. So what's he going to do? So they put him in prison, and he start with the sewing machine, and he starts quote you know buying asking them to bring him cloth and stuff, and he has a tehillim in one hand, and he's sewing in the other hand. He's like Shem." You gotta help me because I don't finish it in two days, and if it's not nice, he's gonna hang me. He's diving to Hashem, and he's. Anyway, after two days, the parts comes back. He has a dress for the woman, he has a suit for him, he has for the kids. He's like, You saved my life, and, and he gives him a lot of money, and it's absolutely amazing. Fine. He comes home, he leaves his card, comes home, he tells his wife, Story. I came to this guy. He's very rich, and he's the parrot. He's the duke, and and he had a wedding, and I did that. And he loved the clothing I made for him. And two days later, he gets a letter that he wants him to be his private tailor. He needs to move into the big city with him. He's going to pay the rent. He's going to pay everything. He is so excited. His wife was so excited. They never had money. Now they're going to have a beautiful big house, and the parrot is paying for everything. It's amazing. Okay, so now he is the tailor of the royalty of that Polish town, whatever it was. Okay, and he's, he's, he's full of himself, and he's, you know, opens up a shop, and everything is great. Fine. Now you take a story. Two days later, no, not two days later, two years later, so he's already famous, famous tailor. Two years later, the poet comes into him, he says, again, he says, Again, I just, I don't know why the king does this, but we have two days, and you need to do what you did last time, but it has to be very different than what I wore, wore this time for my wife. Otherwise, the, you know, we, we get into big trouble by the king. He says, two days, what am I going to do in two days? Whatever it is, he rushes, he rushes, and the morning before the wedding, they come to him, they try on all the clothing. One sleeve is longer than the other. One pants trousers longer than the other. The dress is too tight. Everything falls apart. He's finished. And the part says to him, I don't, what did you do here? This stuff is garbage. Uh, if you don't have all the clothing by late this afternoon, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to hang you in front of everyone. I don't know what to do. He runs to the Rav. He goes to the Rebbe, the Rav. He says, Rebbe, I'm, I, I, I made all this clothing, right? And, and I don't know what to do. He said, if I don't have it by tonight, I cannot have it by tonight. You're going to hang me. He says, okay, I want you to take all the clothing. I want you to open all the seams in the clothing, all of them. I want you to open them. Then I want you to sew it back the way it was. He says, but it didn't fit. He says, just do what I'm telling you. So he goes, he opens them all up, all the seams, everything. He opens them all up. And he um, closes them back the way they were. And they all come. Oh, can't believe how fast you fixed it. The kids are happy, the wife is happy, he's happy. Like, what? I don't understand. It's the same thing, the same that they had before. Goes back to the Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, I don't understand. You, you did a mifus. I don't understand. Were they blind? Like, what? He said, no. He said, the first time you did it, you did it with love. You did it with chen. You did it with a tehillim. You davened while you did it. Then you became the big tailor of the big shot says, you don't have that talent. Because Bochel gave you the first time what happened. Well, being that you were under all this pressure this time, right? So, 
you had to reopen the stuff that you made as a Malgaiva, thinking that you're such a great tailor. You had to reopen them, and you had to re-sew them, davening to Hashem because he realized he was going to die, he was davening the whole time. And Hashem made it that they, when they looked at it, they liked it. He says, the first time you did it was chen. The second time you did it just because you thought you, who knows what. So I wanted you to open it up and get rid of all the gaiva that you did, and then re-sew it with love and, and, and that you have from Hashem, that you were davening and all that, re-sew it together. And if you sew like that with a kushbaruch, a tail on one hand, and a needle on the other hand, you have nothing to worry about in life. So he begins his share of Shem Shem Pinkus like this, and he says that we, and that was, that he's talking 20 years ago when he's speaking. He says, we do mitzvahs, right, without the chen. We, we put on our tefillin and we, 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 we learn, but we do it because we have to do it. And therefore it doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit, he says. You have to do it, you have to, you have to, Reopen your Gemara in the morning and reopen your Siddur with the Diva Slave. The truma of the silver and gold and copper doesn't make the Mishkan work without the Diva Slave. He gave such an unbelievable shit with this week's parasha. He's like, people think, right? That's davening. That's 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 coming to learn and coming to daven. You think okay? Copper, gold, we build it, we do it, and we have a mishkan. Says the first pasuk. No, if, yes, the first thing you have to do is daven. But if it's not a divlev, if I don't have your heart, then it's not a mishkan. The aron's not going to fit. The menorah's not going to fit. The oysters, everything, all those ingredients that I'm asking you for, that you're sewing together as a tailor, all the tefillah and all the learning and all the myths that you're doing, you're sewing together as a tailor. If there's no divlev, tichlos trumasiv. That's the ish. That's what I want from the person. I want his heart. So dominating without heart and learning without heart doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It's not going to fit in the end. That's what he, that's what he says in, 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 in this story. He says, he says, if you, there's a famous saying, the camera never lies. You ever hear that saying? Picture never lies. That's the saying. Picture's worth a thousand words. Never lies. He says, absolutely not true. Picture always lies. That's what Rav Shem should say. Why does he mean a picture always lies? He said, picture has no emotion. And when there's no emotion, it's a lie. And he gives an example. He says, take a picture of a mother making eggs in the morning for her kid. Right? This is a very, very important thing I'm about, I'm about to tell you. So, you have a picture of mothers making eggs for a, child, for a child. The mother has all these emotions inside. My child needs this egg. If he eats the egg, he'll be healthy. If he's healthy, he's going to go to yeshiva. He's going to go to yeshiva. He's going to learn. Moshe, keep on turning with Sinai. What's he going to learn? Moshe, keep on turning with Sinai. Moshe got the turn from Sinai. So, you sure? He gave it to Yeshua. He gave it to the Vian. He gave it to the Oh my God, what this egg is going to do, right? It's like, wow, I'm giving you breakfast. This is going to be an egg, a bowl of cereal. You a bowl of cereal, pours the milk, right? If you eat, eat fast, the bus is coming, eat me, right? But she's giving it to him with all this love because she knows he's going to be healthy. He's going to go learn. It's, it's, it's the Torah, it's the mitzvah. He's, you know, he's going to learn the olive base today. He's a kindergarten boy, whatever. She's going to excited. So you have a picture of a mother putting a bowl of cereal in front of her child. Then you have a picture of the maid, right? The mother's out of town. The maid 
is putting a bowl of cereal in front of the child. Is that the same? It looks the same. Two people are putting a bowl of cereal in front of a child. It looks exactly the same. Is the mother dedicated? Yes. Is the maid dedicated? Yes. She's dedicated to do her job. Is the maid responsible? Yes. Sometimes more responsible than the mother. Right? Is the mother responsible? Yes. But the action of the maid is not a message. It's not a message. It's Zohav Kesef Unachoshes. Cold, gold, silver, copper. But there's no message in it. She's giving him a bowl of cereal. So when you look at the two pictures, both kids have a bowl of cereal. Both were given by a mother. Both got milk poured into it. A picture never lies. Yes, a picture does lie. Because one of them, the mother's giving with all her love and all her emotion and all her feelings and all her caring. And, 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 and she's giving him to eat because she wants him to be full and healthy, that he, that he can sit and learn, that he can be clear. The maid's not giving him he should sit and learn, why she keep, keep turning with Sinai, or it's not her child, whatever it is. She's, she's thinking about her child that's at home that may be not feeling well, whatever it is. She's doing her job. So both pictures are showing two different things, but it's a big lie. Because one is one whole different thing, and the other one is a whole different thing. The message that I'm, that I, that I'm trying to give over is that the, that, that the action, trying to, you're trying to think of the right word, that the action of giving the cereal is a message, is a communication to the child that I love you. The maid, the action of giving the cereal is not I love you. It's I'm doing my job and if I don't do it, I'm going to get fired. So you have two pictures of exactly the same thing. One is from a mother. The, picture, the, the, the action of giving the cereal is a non-said message to the child that I love you. The action of the maid giving the child the cereal, there is no message. There's no message. She's doing her job. She's dedicated. She, she gets paid to do it. There's no message. I'm not giving you a message. That's what Hashem wanted here. Hashem said, giving me gold and silver, right, is not a message that you love me or that you care about me. So the first part had to be followed by the second part, it's not, it's not you're giving me tzedakah because you have to. That's no message. You're not giving me a message. The Mishkan is a message. Oh, I don't have to say this. To be clear. I want to live with you, Kleinstrom. I want to be with you. The Mishkan is a shtick, a piece of message. And therefore, if you want to build a Mishkan, then your action has to have a message in it, not just an action. So therefore, when you're giving me to build a Mishkan, there has to be an adiv lev. Tichas is trumasi. The truma that I want from you is to give me your heart. And Rav Shimshin said 20 years ago, the Kleisrael is not giving their heart. We're davening, we're giving the word, but there's no message. We're learning, there's no message. We're doing mitzvahs, there's no message. We're the maids. We're doing it because we have to. 
We do it because we want to get paid. We want to go to Ganadin. We want to have to amaze him. We want to have Olam Haba. That's not a Mishkan. So you can see two Jews putting on tefillin. The picture is a lie. Because one is just putting on tefillin, but there's no message in the tefillin to Hashem. There's no message. He's just doing it because he has to. And the other one is putting on the tefillin because I want to be literally tied to you. I want to be connected to you. Rabbi Shimshim was saying, that's what, that's, what it's, that's what it's talking about. And it's very, very interesting because he brings down, he brings down Azai in Pashas and Beratius. At the end, so it's 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 very deep. It's brought down in Kabbalah that the whole thing of Edom, Vayamas Bala, Vayamok Taktav Yaiva, Vayamos Jaiva, Vayamok Taktav Chusham, Vayamos Chusham, Vayamok Taktav Hadad, Ben Hadad, Vayamos Hadad. Right. So all these kings that died is from the beginning of time till till Mashiach comes. We don't know which king's really, you know, who's who's in our world president. But it says they all died except Pasuk Lamates, Perak Lamet Vav, Vayamas Balchanan ben Akbar. Balchanan ben Akbar died. Vayimlech Tachtav Hadar, and the next king was Hadar. V'shemiro Pau, and the name of his city was Pau. But it doesn't say he died. So the Ariya Kaddish brings down that this is Mashiach. And Mashiach never died. But there's a problem, guys. Because in Divrei Hayamim, right, in Divrei Hayamim it brings down the same, all these generals of, all these kings of in the, who lived in the Eretz Edom, and it says there that he did die. It says, Hadar Vayamos. So I asked the question, Pasuk here says Mephirish, he didn't die. The Pasuk in Dirayamim says Mephirish, he did die. What's going on over here? So the simple answer, I think the Vulnagoyan answer, the simple answer is that by the time they wrote Dirayamim, he died. It was way after this. But, the Torah is really forever, so it's a little bit hard to understand the Torah. But he gives a beautiful Torah. He says, what does Hadar mean, guys? Beauty. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu understood something that Ezra HaSaifah, who wrote Divrei Yamim, did not understand. Moshe, uh, Ezra wrote that in the times of Mashiach, guys, it's so true, in the times of Mashiach, there will be Yiddishkeit. But the beauty of Yiddishkeit will die. There will always be Yiddishkeit. But Ezra wrote, Vayamas Hadar. Mashiach time, before Mashiach's time, Hadar will be dead. There will be no beauty left in Yiddishkeit. Moshe who was our Rebbe, who understood all the trials and tribulations that Christ went with Egel and Mara and all these other places that they went through these trials and tribulations, he said that in the end, even in the times of Mashiach, there will be still people who will find beauty in Yiddishkeit.
He sends us over a story about a king who had a son who he's very close to. And he got very, very sick. And uh, it's a beautiful marshal that Rav Shimshin says. And the doctors came to the king and they said, your beautiful son just died. And the king was beyond himself. He only had one son. And one doctor came running to him. He said, I'm telling you, he's not dead. And they said, we put a feather by, that's where they used to look, they put a feather by the nose to see if the person was breathing. So we put a feather by the nose a few times. There was no movement. He said, I know, but I listen to the heart. And he still has a heartbeat. So even though you can't pick up the breath, he's still alive. Because if someone has a heartbeat, even though Jewish halacha, someone has a heartbeat, he's still alive. So he, Rav Shemshin said, that's what he was saying. Where Shabbat said, that Klai you may not see on the outside. You may not see the nostril, you may not see the ear on the, on the feather. You may not see Klai walking around. Yiddishkeit is beautiful, just the opposite. I'm fighting all day and all night with kids. The Yiddish guy is beautiful, and they're like, no, Yiddish guy is not beautiful. Girls are beautiful. Art is beautiful. You know, that's what's beautiful. Not Yiddish guy. And when Shabbat says, they may be saying that, they may look dead, but in their hearts, they know that Yiddish guy is beautiful. And therefore, when he wrote down, he did not write by Yamos This was the bracha, guys. This is very important because no way before that Noah. We're going to get to Yaakov and Esav in a minute, but this is the the, the he speaks about That's your house. That's your house. That's your wife. That's your kids. So it's the same thing. You you have people who have a wife, and they have kids, and that's physical, and. They're committed to pay the bills and the rent, make sure there's food and heat. Maybe even they all have a savings account. But that's not that's not what Hashem wants. He wants us to yidvenu libo. And the difference between a house where the the parents are yidvenu libo, where they're 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 giving their their donation is their heart. And that means they give their children time. And they're not busy with their phones. And they, they, they donate their heart. What's your heart? That's my life. What's my life? That's my time. Right? I'm giving you my heart, my gut, my everything, my love. A person who builds that, Hashem says, I will live in that house. That's not a house of machlaikas. A person who gives So it, it's very much, it's a, good, it's a very good dvatari to say by Sherebachus. Or an uproof, what I'm saying over here. Because that's the second truma. The first truma means nothing without the second truma. Vichli truma, very nice. But if you're not called the way we tickle with trumasi, if I don't get your heart, it's like a guy comes home and he gives his wife a ring. But there's no feelings. Here, happy anniversary, I bought you a ring. Have a good day. Well, she got a, she got a $25,000 ring, a $40,000 watch. Why aren't you happy? Because at the end of the day, the 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 yichli truma is not what it's not what it's about. The zav kesef in the It's not what it's about. It's only the ring is only worth something, right? If you give her your heart, if you stop giving her a ring, it doesn't mean anything to her. Maybe it does, but it doesn't. It shouldn't. Right? It's very nice. You gave me a ring. You don't love me. You don't care about me. 
So the ring becomes something if it's followed by Yisvenolivo. And that's what Hashem is saying here by the Mishkan. And it brings down talk of that, that he had Ruch HaKodesh, Moshe Rabbeinu, and he knew who really gave her the full heart, and he put that in the Aron HaKodesh, that gold, and he knew who didn't really give her a good heart, he put that on the Chatzar outside. He knew who, you know, who, gave, who really gave, who didn't give. So anyway, so, in the bracha in the beginning, I need a sitter. I, I, I spoke once about this, about, you know, no one ever described Judy, the Yiddish guy as beautiful. People don't, don't, people don't put the word beautiful together with, uh, with, with Yiddish guy. It's supposed to be beautiful. It's supposed to be beautiful. You know, for Bali Chubis, who don't grow up in it, wow, Shabbos, I go crazy. It's beautiful. By us, it's a Shabbos. Equally true. Yeah, yeah. Go to show, come home, yeah, go to sleep, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Maybe that's what it means, where, where about you stand, we don't understand. We don't we don't we don't see the beauty. So that was the Machlaik of Ezra. Ezra said, uh, it's dead. Beauty in Yiddishkeit, it's dead. Rashabina said it's not dead. It's in their hearts. You may not see it. It's in their hearts. Here. Hashem alukechem emes. Hashem is our God and he's true. V'yatsiv v'nochem v'kayim. And certain, established, and enduring. We're talking about God here. All the adjectives, right? V'nemon, v'oliv, v'chaviv, v'nechmad. He's faithful. He's fair. He's beloved. He's cherished. Right? It's building up. Venoim, Venoira, he's awesome. He's awesome. Adir, he's powerful. Sukan, he's correct. Kubal, he's accepted. Tov, and he's good. Right? You're starting off where he's certain and you're ending off where he's good. What's the last word that encompasses it all? No, you don't. You say Yemes Viyad. Yatsim Nefkam Kaim Yashem Nefkam Avav Yichavim Nechma Venoim Venorim Vaadir Umesukan Umekubal Vitov Viyafa. Beauty. You, you're building up all the way, all the way up, all the way up to the ultimate is finding the beauty in Hashem, finding the beauty in 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 um, in Yiddishkeit. Viyafa Hadaba Zeh Aleinu Liyalam Ve'Ed, and and it's beautiful. This affirmation with a Baruch forever. So, yeah, it's It's good. No, all of this is no good if not Yafa. It's beautiful to us. The bracha that we were given, and that's, we're not going to get past the first pasuk in Truma because that's what Truma, everyone looks at Truma, you're looking at a Mishkan, ooh, gold and purple wool and blue wool and all this stuff, and Hashem's like, that's very nice. But it's a, it's an empty building without the adrenalivo. It's a it's a, it's an empty ring that you're giving me if you don't love me, if you're not willing to give me your heart. You know, you send her the ring, but you don't show up. You, you, you mail it to her. Hello, right? So if you look in in Pasha uh, Noach. 
Hashas Noach. It says the following. When Noach woke up and he found out what his son did to him, right? He said the following. He gave a bracha. He gave a bracha. What was the bracha he gave? He said... We have a Ara Kanan, Kanan should be cursed. Baruch Hashem, Elokei Shem. We cannot have it long. Yaft Elokim Yefes. Hashem should give beauty to Yefes, right? Which was the Greeks. Greeks came from them. The Yishkon, where should this Yefes live? Where should this beauty live? Baalei Shem. In the Yeshivas of Shem, Baalei Yeshivas, and the Shuls of Shem. That's where the beauty has to live. It gave beauty, right, to Yefes, but that beauty has to come into shame. Yiddishkeit has to be something to us that's very, 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 very beautiful. Okay. He says over, I don't know the Pusik exactly. He says over that David Melech said, I hate, I hate, the seven nations, one of the seven nations. Um, oh, I cannot, the Prusim, Prusi, Prusi, right? I hate the Prusim with a great hatred. What was he, why was he saying that? He says, because what they used to do every year is they used to take a blind man and put him on a lame person, a lame person, a person who limps, and then they would chase him in the street and beat him up. So they asked the Kasha, what does David HaMelech have to do with this? Why would David HaMelech write that he hates them? He says that the lame person, the lame person was Yaakov, because the Asa, because the Malach hit him and dislocated his leg. The blind person was Yitzchak. They were making fun of the Jews Yitzchak on top of Yaakov, and they would beat him. So, Rav Shimshin said the following. Why did David Amalek hate that so much? And the Territ says, nobody looks at Yaakov as a lame person. We look at Yaakov, right, as growing, when growing up and learning Territ, that he had a fight with the Malach. He beat the Malach. The mouth dislocated his foot, but some whole, when the sun came up, he got better, whatever. He, to us, he's not lame. It's a whole different story. What lame? You crazy? Yaakov wasn't lame. Yaakov was, was, was the strongest Asia. Yaakov beat a malach. Not lame because he hit him in the Gidanashe. We look, but we said before, you look at two pictures, he's limping. So the guy will look at it, he's limping. Loser. You know, we're going to beat him up because he can't run away. We look at him as limping as to get Anosha forever. He hit him in his thigh because he wanted to hurt us. He wanted to hurt, he wanted to, Yaakov, he wanted to hurt Yaakov Vino's children. So, so it's to get Anosha. We don't equally get Anosha anymore because of that. It's a whole holy thing. We don't look at Yaakov as some lame guy that was walking the street lame. But, you have two, but if you look at the picture, the guy I'm looking at is like, wow. Weak Jew, can't walk. We look at it like amazing, powerful Jew who beat a Malach. So Melch hated 
that they took the truth because the picture does lie, right? And they changed the whole truth and they made Yaakov look like a, a Nebuchadnezzar when Yaakov was the one who won the fight. Yitzchak, night with Dick, whoever thinks of Yitzchak as a blind person? You ask a kid, so tell me something about Yitzchak. Was he blind? How did Yitzchak become blind, right? According to some of Farshim, he was laying on the arcade now. This is a beautiful shot. I think it's also from the Zayar. He was laying at the Akeda, right? And the Medrash says that the Malachim saw him there and they started crying. And their tears, right, went into his eyes. Does anyone in this room think Malachim have tears? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, being that Malachim are made out of Aish, right? Some of them are made out of Aish. The spiritual tears of the Malachim went into his eyes but he was able to actually see the Malachim crying. So after that, says Rav Shemshin, Yitzhak Abinu could not look at the world anymore. What did they mean to make him blind? What they, they, were, they were alcohol? They were Clorox? Or they, were, they, were, they were detergent? Like what? Why would a Malach's uh, tear make you blind? He says, no, it doesn't mean blind that he couldn't see. It means blind that once he saw that level of spirituality... He couldn't look at the physical reality of the world anymore. He saw angels. He saw the Shemayim open. He saw them crying. That's it. He was done with looking at white colors and things like that. So the Goyim looked at it like, oh, blind man, put him on a lame man, let's beat them both up. We never looked at Yitzhak as a blind man. We looked at Yitzhak as the, the, he, was, he, was on the, he was on the arcade, he was in the holiest place. The holiest time, right? It was in Kippur. The holiest everything. And, 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 and he lost his eyesight because he was on a level way beyond us. So you're both looking at the same picture. And the guy are like, ugh, he's a blind guy. He's a lame guy. Beat him up. And we're like, wow. He's lame because he beat a malach. Wow. He can't see anymore because malachim were crying. Wow, Yaakov Rabino was so holy. He says, you can look at two things, and, and therefore, he was trying to say that, a, that, a, that a, a picture, a picture is many lies. In fact, he brings down, only Rav Shimshim Pekas can say this, I wouldn't say it. It says that when Yaakov met Rachel, when Yaakov met Rachel, we can share Yaakov is Rachel ben Lavan, he came by he rolled off the stone and he gave the stone to drink and Yaakov kissed Rachel one of the hardest to understand he raised his voice and he cried So the question Rabbi Shimshan asked is, what does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean he kissed? What does it mean he kissed Rachel? So he brings a proof from the Pasuk. Anyone who would have seen that kiss, he says the Medrash says that the, the shepherds said, we don't do things like that in, in, our, in our town. Because she was a psula, right? She was a young girl. So we don't do things like that. So they saw a kiss. He says, what was this like? He says, he brought it down from a safe. He says, 
the kissing, first of all, she was very, she was a little kid, but the kissing of Rachel on her head, before she kissed her on the top of her head, was like if a person saw a Sefer Torah. Right? Let's say you, there was a Sefer Torah by the Be'er. Right? You walk over, you give it a kiss. Right? He saw a Sefer Torah. He saw Rachel Imenu and her Kedusha, and therefore it was like a Sefer Torah. How do you know that it wasn't the one kind of kiss? Because you see, the Mayisha is Kerle Mayeich. When you kiss someone for the wrong reason, you don't start crying. Why do you start crying? Because he saw what? What is right? What does it say? Because he saw that he wasn't going to be buried with her. So Rav Shimshin brought down from the Sefer, he said that, why do you care if you're going to be buried with her or not? He says, a Sefer Torah, right? You want to be with you all the time. He said, he, he saw such Kedusha that he wanted that Kedusha even after he died to be with him. So when he saw this level of Kedusha and he realized, he didn't look at her for what she was now. He looked in the future and he saw his Ruch HaKadosh that at one point I'm going to lose this Kedusha. I'm going to be very much Machpelah. She's going to be very in Kemerachah. He started to cry. It was based totally 100% in Kedusha. He said, but a picture lies. Bajara will look at and say, oh my God, what are you doing kissing a girl? On the other side, what do you mean kissing a girl? He was kissing a safe tire and he was kissing on top of her head. And it was a whole different level that we don't even understand. And then he was crying because he saw such Kedusha and Russell. He may know that he said, how could I be buried without that Kedusha? Stay. So, so people, what, what you see is not what you get. And, 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 and many times you see two different people. He said over a story of Shimshin that, that he went to speak for a there was an organization that in prison in Eretz Yisrael, they teach Torah to people who were in a mamish. They were there for 20 years, and they're, and they're not from, and they give classes, and these guys come to the classes. They figure they're stuck there anyway, they might as well learn. He says, so they went to raise money, and they had a picture of like 10 guys sitting at a table learning. He said, but if you would see that picture, you would say, oh, he's collecting for another kairos. I give to kairos. He said, but they're in prison for who knows how long. This is not a regular kailal. These are prisoners who went from and now they're coming from. He said, "You're looking at you're looking at a guy at a desk, and you, you, the picture, the picture, the picture doesn't tell you the truth." All right, so let's go back. And therefore, the the putting of a blind man on top of a layman was making fun of us because we as Jews don't look at Yitzchak as a blind man. We don't look at Yaakov as a lame man. So let's go back to Pasha's Truma again. Let's look at it again. In fact, the, the, the trump on the Truma is it, it ends, it ends it. It's how it ends it. And then, if you look at the trump, the, the musical uh, symbols, you'll see the, the Pasha reads like that. You have to, you, Hashem only takes the truma from the person who wants to give, but for the right reasons. The Shema. Every single person can build this base of Mikdash within themselves. And all these representations in here are all mitzvahs, all things that you can do. But 
the end of the day, it's not worth anything. It's worth something, but it's not worth a lot unless you're Yisben Olivo. You have to give your heart. He says it's the same thing in a marriage. There's a marriage without heart. You can go through all the motions. Marry, pay the bills, go together to weddings, sit in the car together, go through all the mesh. But if there's no Yisben Olivo, then the Asli Midrash Shekhanti B'Saycham is not going to happen. And it's going to end up falling apart. So you need to understand that. And you also need to know when you get married, that's like a Sefer Torah. It's brought down that word, that Rachel was like a Sefer Torah to him. Marriage is a Sefer Torah. He says in the Sefer Torah, there's two parts. There's the Sefer Torah with the letters, and then there's the Parochas that you put on it. Right? The Parochas is Tashmisha Kedusha. The Parochas is considered Kaddish. He says... And people get married, and after a while they get used to each other, it's not exciting anymore, and the Parechus is not so clean and shiny, and all those little jewels are not shining, right? He says, always remember, though, that what's underneath the Parechus, which is the Torah, which is Iksav, that, that didn't get less exciting. She says, people get married, if you understand the Kedusha of each other, you understand what's, what, what the value of the person so they got a little older, so they don't look the same, so they look fetchy, so they're not so beautiful anymore. But the beauty is not the parishes of the Torah. The parishes cost you $1,000. The same Torah costs you fifty. So kids make that mistake. I always I hear and say, the Torah, Tati, could you, could you hold a beautiful Torah where they see the parishes? The Ksav is the beauty of the Torah. The, the one that has the nice parochus might have a terrible, might be a $20,000, $15,000 safe Torah. And the one that has the old white, you know, whatever from his grandfather that he wanted to put on there is an $80,000 Torah. Thank you. I think it might be the painting in the... Painting in the plane. Share. What? Share your story with us. The painting... It was a $100,000 painting and he wanted to get the best frame. Oh, the one that I did with the Tzniyas? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And then I can't see what the painting is. Right, very good. It's the same, same idea. When you're, when you're focused on the frame, you don't see the painting. That's why the Mona Lisa and all those beautiful paintings, I don't even think they have a frame. Now right now, it's a cool new thing. When people buy paintings, there's no frame. They put them in loose sight sometimes. Now you just have the painting. There's no frame. It's very in today, no frame. Because everyone's going to be busy. Wow, what a beautiful frame. They're not going to see a $4 million Picasso. They're looking at a $10,000 frame. And, and he spent all that money on the Picasso. They don't even look at it. It's the whole thing of Tzniyas. It's the whole secret of Tzniyas. I said it a few months ago in my, in my school. So what's Tzniyas? Why do you have to be Tzniyas? The answer is, if you're not Tzniyas, everyone's looking at the frame. Wow, look at her body, look how beautiful she is. You have no idea what's going on inside. The person inside is worth a lot more than what you see outside. Right? Skin's only, skin's only an inch deep. It's nothing. Not even an inch. Not even skin deep. It's, not, it's very little. What's going on inside? Girls don't realize that that no one's going to know who you are if that's what you're, if you're flaunting body. No one's going to no one's going to know soul. That's exactly what he's saying here. 
You, you can build a beautiful base of Megiddo, but if it doesn't have heart, it's nothing. And, and that's what we're missing today. He said this shit 20 years ago, Rav Shemshin. And then his day, that's what we're missing. It's so true. It's just so like, you just go through the motions. Shem said, the stuff you're giving me is not worth anything until I have your heart. Once I have your heart, you want to give gold, you want to give silver, very nice. Because you have a heart, you can't give anything, then you didn't get, you can't build a mishkan. Even though the famous story, I'm not going to say it tonight, because with the, with the, with the lechem upon him, with those two people that were baking lechem upon him for Hashem because they thought he didn't eat for 2,000 years, you know, I told you that story. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about? All right, well, then with this story, because this is the ultimate story of, of Yvonne Olivo. Um, it's a quarter to one. We'll be finished. We have to make the one o'clock uh, Meyer, because otherwise we have to go to Barapal. It's not the end of the world, but go to Barapal, we go to Goldberg's, we go shopping, we buy something to eat. Go downstairs to Shemesh All the food that was left over from today in Barapal is there. So the, the the most famous story, yeah, but it's good food. They put they they send down a lot of food. It's in every good place. It's the base Hamikdash. It really is. Um, so this is, I'll just tell it to you very fast. A very famous story with uh, the Rizal. There was a, a peasant, and he lived on a farm. And his wife pushed him to go to shul one Friday night. He went to shul, and the rabbi got up, and they were talking about the, they were talking about this week building the mishkan. And that there were 12 bowls, and they put bread in those bowls, and they would put the lechem upon him. And somebody asked, well, what about today? And, I said, and they said, well, it's been straight away 2,000 years ago. There's no lechem upon him. So this guy came home. He told his wife, you know, you're not going to believe it. The rabbi said that God did, hasn't eaten in 2,000 years. There's no bread, because we don't have a base of Egdash. She said, what are we going to do? He said, let's bake for him. They had no money. They saved up the last time, and they baked 12 chalos. And she said, how are we going to give it to Hashem? And he said, in the shul, there's a place they put the Torah, very, very holy. We'll put it in there. So Thursday night, they went, 2 o'clock in the morning, and they took the 12 chalas, and they put it into the hot chalas. You can imagine they were dancing in the kitchen, they're baking chalas for Hashem. And they put it in to see if Hashem, will, is Hashem going to take it or not. They put it in, and they left. The next day he came on the way to, on the way to come home for Shabbos from work, he went into the base medrash and he wanted to open the Aron Kodesh and see if the chalos was there. Opens the Aron Kodesh, Baruch Hashem, there's no chalos left, not even a crumb. Unbelievable. God ate their bread. Goes home, he says, you're not going to believe it? It worked. He ate it. This went on, it's a true story. It's written in, in the Kisve of the Arizal. And this went on for a year. Every Thursday night, he would sneak in with his bundle, 12 chalos, Put it in there, come back at 2 o'clock the next day, on his way home, gone. They were in heaven. They used to dance in the kitchen. They were making bread for Hashem. And it's a secret no one else should know, because then other people are going to try, whatever it is. One night, one Thursday night, I rewrite this. One Thursday night, this guy comes in at 4 o'clock with his bag bag of challah, and for some reason, the robe of the the shul was there, and he was sleeping in the Ezra's Nashim. Maybe he gave his bed to someone else, whatever. And he comes up with this bag and he wakes up and he sees this guy going to Arnakodesh with a big bag. Got him! He's stealing some free time. What is he doing? For sure. Gets up, he runs up there with a bat, with a, a club. He's going to beat the heck out of this guy. And the guy says, you're stealing some free time? He says, no, 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 no. 
He says, I'm, I'm putting something in there. I'm not taking something out. You're putting something in. What are you putting in? He says, listen, I came to your shir a year ago, and you said that Hashem hasn't eaten in 2,000 years. So for the last year, we've been baking challah every single night. He said, I said that. He said, well, you said there's no more. So we figured he hasn't eaten in 2,000 years. There's no malachim abanim. You tippish! You amorets! You think God eats bread? You think God eats food? You think you're feeding him? You don't feed God? He says, what are you doing, you man? They come on Friday, and I check out at Kodesh, and it's always empty. I should have to eat my bread. Don't say that. It's like, you fool! You're the guy that's baking that bread? It's like Shabbos every Friday in the morning after davening gives out the bread to the poor people. We thought some big rich person who wants to give tzedakah secretly. Go home to your wife and stop making stupid bread. Hashem doesn't eat bread. Comes home. You can imagine. So it's his whole life. Comes home. His wife says, you look like you just died. He said, I did. What happened? He says, you know the bread that we're baking for Hashem? She goes, yeah. You think we should bake more? He goes, no, 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 no. It's not going to Hashem. What? He tells the rabbi, say, call him Amaretz, call him an idiot, imbecile, stupid. Hashem eats bread. The two of them are crying. They have sit, no more bread. Friday afternoon, the Rizal, no, sorry. Shabbos morning, the Rizal goes, goes to the Rub's house. Before, I guess it was in Tzfas, before Shul. And he says, I want to sit down, I want to tell you something. He said, No, I don't mean you sit down. The Rizal said to him, Sit down to the rabbi. Sit down, I want to tell you something. We're going to, we're going to make my own. He said, what happened? What? He said, I had a dream last night, Arisal said. And the Malach from the other side came to tell me, you will die today by Minchatar. Most terrible death that a human being could die. And the reason you're going to die is because the Reach, the Chawach, that was in the base of Mikdash, that Hashem hasn't had in 2,000 years since the base of Mikdash was destroyed, he got back for the last year from what these people baked. The, the Yedvedo the heart and the love that they gave, brought back the way that Hashem didn't have for 2,000 years, and you took it away. You're going to die, and you're going to die bad and hard. We write, What's going on over here? Hashem doesn't eat bread. The guy is an idiot. What are you baking bread for Hashem? What are you thinking? And the answer is, the Yedveno Libo, they did it with their full heart, made those 12 loaves of bread, lechem ha'panim. Lechem ha'panim, like on the Shulchan. Because the Yedveno Libo, that chum of the Yedveno Libo, Makes the Kesef Zav, the Chayshev, Agama and Tlashani into what it is. But without the Yedvan Alibo, it's nothing. So those 12 Chalas were Lechem upon him. And you took that away, and he lost everything. So every single person has the ability to make his house into a base on Mekdash. By what you do in your house, if it's the Yedvan Alibo, your Tfilah can become the Tfilah of the Koen Gadol. Your Avaidah, that you do every day, is that vital of the Kohen Gadol. As long as Tichus Trumasi is Yidvan Olivo. My bracha to everyone is that 
Moshabenu who said Hadar never died, which is Mashiach, because the heart is still pumping. We still have this underneath everything that we know that the religion, the Yiddish guy, and we know the relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu is something that's very, very beautiful. Moshabenu says in the end, Hadar will never die, and it's Taka here, and we should all have the schuf that we should Taka build the Beis Hamikdash in our own hearts, right? And all of those hearts put together will be the base of Mishnah Yisrael. Thank you very much, and I apologize for being so late. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.